1: It's straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, glory be, the curse of Goodison Park is over as Chelsea pick up three points on opening day. Kukurea checks in as will heads out on loan. Timo gets his wings back, but Dave stays. Plenty to discuss then. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. in then listener it is the first of our twice weekly chelsea chats i'm matt davis adams with me today are the athletics chelsea expert simon johnson hi simon
2: i've seen them do it remember (laughs) remember in the last pod i said you know this trip i'm more upbeat about it's going to be a different story this one i went more upbeat one nil never in doubt yes hello yeah you saw them do it,
1: you'll probably remember absolutely nothing about the game <laughs> in uh, about six weeks' time because it was that kind of game, but there we go. Uh, alongside Simon today is the former Blue Youth, Sam Parkin. How are you doing, Sam?
3: Good, Matt. I'm, I'm sure I said that as well, by the way. I don't know what was <laughs> yes. going on about there.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, just... I mean, well done. You both predicted a win at a team that nearly got relegated last season. Yes. <laughs> cutting insight. Uh, <laughs> let's start then by looking back on Saturdays with At Everton. Jorginho, biggest moment yet at Goodison on the opening evening. Jorginho versus Pickford. In it goes! Inside that post now. Everton 0, oh, oh, Chelsea oh, 1, oh, right oh, at the oh, end of first half, out in time.
4: Very happy. Um, Cooley simply showed his quality, his experience and his courage today. Raheem played the whole match, looked very sharp. And Cucurella, Mark was, was very strong and very happy was um
1: from all three impressive Everton nil Chelsea won an overdue very welcome win at Goodison Park for Thomas Tuchel's team courtesy of Jorginho's penalty deep into first half stoppage time. Simon was there. A deserved win, Simon, if not a scintillating performance.
2: Yeah, I think on the grand scheme of things, um they were slightly the better side although although Everton did have their moments and and you thought, oh if a Richarlison, of course, he's now at Spurs, or Calvert-Lewin wasn't on the treatment table, then then Chelsea would have perhaps been punished. Um, Anthony Gordon is no centre-forward. But the game was exactly, well as they always are at Goodison Park, ugly, a grind, pretty horrible to watch. Chelsea sort of, at times, struggling with the physicality of it all and and being caught on the ball. But when, when there was some football, proper football to be played, Chelsea played it, although it's a little bit concerning, although not too surprising, that it took a penalty to, to get them the win. You, you felt that both teams could have played for, for weeks and, and neither would have scored from open play.
1: Um, no real surprises, Sam, in the starting 11 that, that Tuchel picked here. We wondered if, if Chilwell would be fit enough to start, but, but given what we learned about Marcos Alonso afterwards, I guess that was always going to be the case. And, and it's only really whether it's Kanten, Jorginho or Canten Kovacic, isn't it? That's the, the big selection issue.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so. He likes that pair, doesn't he? And uh, I wouldn't envisage it changing probably any time soon, given the, the result and... Yeah, good to see Chilwell out there after what what we discussed and obviously had a huge part to play in, in the goal, although we'll come on to him the pass from Koulibaly was one of the the bright spots of the afternoon because I maybe didn't anticipate him having that that quality in that type of area. But no, I mean, you know, on reflection of the game, it's probably quite easy to see why Chelsea are going to have the similar problems to the to what they had last season. It's the same team, essentially. It's the same setup. Yes, with Sterling in there and, and Koulibaly, but um, those flaws were evident again, I suppose, at, at Goodison Park. But you caveat that with it being the first game of the season. So no panic here. Given our tone in the last podcast, a 1-0 victory is much welcomed at that place because the top six, seven teams in the league aren't going to win at Goodison Park. So when you look at that, that's a, that's a great result.
1: Um, what about the debutants then, Simon? Koulibaly and Sterling two of Chelsea's better players on the day.
2: Yeah, and I'd add Kukurela in there. I, I think that was the the big positive of, of the day was that the three signings, okay, Kukurela came off the bench, but the three signings instant upgrade in quality. You can you can see they're all settled in. To touch on Sam's point, for example, about Koulibaly, I too was like, Okay. Not only are you a top defender, but passing the ball was good. And I think that's something that Tuchel wants more from his bat line. Um, Someone that can pass the ball. The ball to to Chilwell had a perfect view of it, but it it wasn't just the fact that he passed it. It was the weight of the pass. Everything was perfect. So Chilwell could could turn and and go on to win the penalty. Sterling, I'd say for particularly the first hour was, was very good. He faded a bit in the second half, although... Was unfortunate not to to get a debut got an official debut goal. Um, you know the shot. It was a lovely move. Came from a Kukurella cross. Lovely move. Just his shot deflected just wide. And Kukurella, Ben Chilwell does have something to worry about there because one clearly Ben Chilwell's not 100. percent Tuchel hinted at that in the pre-match press conference. And you could tell there were so many moments where he went, yeah, he he's a yard off, his normal pace, but also he's just energy. In fact, I think it. I always, I said to the guys around me in the press box, it almost did him a favour for the penalty, because when he did the turn and he was in on goal, a fit Ben Chilwell would have run in and got a shot off. But because he was, it was so slow, it gave the a chance to come back and foul him. I mean, maybe a fit Chilwell would have would have scored anyway, but. I just thought, oh yeah, that's, that's where a lack of pace actually sort of, um, helped him out. But, um, but Cucurella, when he came on, I just thought, yeah, he, he, he just, it's it's like he'd had one training session and he was just bombing up and down that left flank. So I won't be surprised if he's, he starts against Spurs at the weekend because he was that good. Yeah, no doubt it was a penalty and beautifully dispatched
1: as well by Jorginho. Love it when the ball rolls all the way around the net like that. It's very aesthetically pleasing. Uh, so Cucurella good, Sam. And just looking at at the back three that started that game, I mean, you can include James and Chilwell in that if you like too. But to say we've spent most of the summer worrying about Chelsea's defensive cover and lack of options there, there aren't, there aren't many better threes to start with than Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva and Koulibaly.
3: No, for some games, you'd, you'd maybe worry about the, the recovery pace, uh, of course, and they're going to get a big test in that in that regard straight away next weekend. But no, I can only echo what Simon said about the new signings. I mean, that's as good a 15, 16-minute cameo I've seen from a new signing in the Premier League. I mean, that was unbelievable, Kukurea. I mean, some of the passing, the crispness of his passes... Was, was incredible he had 25 touches 20 of those passes so it was one and two touch finding its target beautiful weight i think he made one little error where he gave away a free kick um, near the corner flag in the embers of the game but he, he was astonishingly good and it all, already feels like it might be a bit of a waste to have him at the the left side of the back three because he showed in that 15 minutes that he's top quality player and of course, he can work in tandem with Ben Chilwell uh, up that left-hand side, but completely agree with Simon. I mean, that's someone to, to really challenge Chilwell for that position. Um, Koulibaly arguably could play that right-hand side one, um, although he he displayed exactly what Rudiger's done in the Chelsea shirt the last few se- seasons playing on the left-hand side. Arguably, that looks like an upgrade on, on Rudiger, which sounds incredible to say. Uh, certainly with his short passes and his quickness of feet. Uh, we know Rudiger's an outstanding defender, um, brilliant raking crossfield balls, but Koulibaly looks like he's got a little bit more guile, I would say, in his play. So incredibly encouraging. Um, they're still going to want to do a right-sided centre-half, I would imagine. Ideally, it would be someone who could play uh, right side of the back three and also right wing-back, but they're very hard to come by, I would I would suggest. So, yeah, someone to, to come in and play where Christiansen played last year and Azpilicueta would be ideal. But yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's shaping up nicely. Still need two or three more bodies as, as we'll come on to. But great start, especially from Koulibaly and I Couldn't have been more impressed.
1: It's going to be interesting, Simon, to see if Thiago Silva can play as many games as he did last year. Uh, outstanding here. And that moment where you thought, oh, no, he's been exposed by the pace of Damari Gray. He just gets back in position, gets a deflection on the shot. Knocks it behind and says, "What were you worried about?"
3: I had time to tell Mendy to come out, get out, get, get out of here as well. Which <laughs> <laughs> delayed him about two seconds.
2: Yeah, I actually tweeted about that incident. And I didn't quite phrase it the way I I wanted to because it's it, it almost came across as a as a criticism. But I was just amused, um, as one is, um, about the hilarity. You, know, you got a real insight into the the base of Tiago, understandably. Coming on 38, he's not the quickest. And I, and I it's probably one of the only times in my life I've gone, yeah, yeah, you know, professional footballers showing signs of age. I feel your pain. Your my sympathies go out to you. Because you can see him going, oh, no, I'm in a foot race with a guy considerably younger and quicker than me. But he used all his experience, know-how, defensive quality to just, okay, I recognize the fact that you're quicker than me but I'm going to be ahead of you in terms of I know what you're going to do I'm going to control this situation and he stuffed out the danger which is what he did on many occasions during the game and he was great.
1: Yeah, he's phenomenal. What what about Edward Mendy? though Simon I thought this is quite a typical Mendy game in that he made some some decent saves and then at other times his decision making looked a little bit off Sky Sports in the UK reporting this morning that Chelsea are currently in talks with him to extend his contract do we think that that's something that's going to get done fairly quickly do we think that Chelsea should be looking elsewhere maybe or is is he the the number one for the foreseeable
2: yeah so it's true you, you know that there are talks going on uh, from what i've been told They've held two meetings already, but they haven't got to the stage of talking about numbers. So yeah, but I, I think I think it's whether any Chelsea fans concerned or not, it looks like Mendy's going to be committing his long-term future if the appropriate offer's made. Um in in terms of in terms of his performance, you know, there you know, he he made some good saves. There were some times where perhaps his handling or, or sort of dealing crosses was a little bit uncertain, but then it's Everton. It's that kind of place where it is difficult. Um, I didn't see what I'd be more worried about just generally is just him with the ball at his feet. That That's that's my biggest concern. It didn't really sort of have one of those worrying moments on, on Saturday, but yeah, that would be my, my concern. But, overall i'm i'm a little bit surprised that that suddenly it's all flipped it it seemed a few months ago that chelsea chelsea fans were sort of campaigning for him to win awards and why isn't he winning best goalkeeper and all this kind of hoo-ha you know the disrespect blah blah blah. and now it's kind of all do do we need to sign someone else i'm i'm just a little bit surprised i think a goalkeeper like any um, like any player in the team can have a dip in form. I agree that probably since the West Ham game, which I think I've said on this show before, certainly with the ball at his feet, London Stadium, that seemed to be the start of that issue. And maybe all the hoo-ha about missing out to Donnarumma, perhaps he took his his eye off the ball a little bit, got a little bit distracted about the injustice that he felt about it. Um, but I still think, you know, don't forget this, this guy is... Done great stuff for Chelsea, the Champions League winning goalkeeper, lots of clean sheets, etc. I just think it's a a little bit reactionary the last few months to suddenly be thinking, oh, there seems to be a lot of concentration on his negatives at the moment rather than the general picture.
1: Yeah, he's got plenty of positives for sure. Uh, lastly on the Everton game, Sam, we'll talk about why the makeup of the, the Chelsea Subs bench was like it was uh, shortly when, when we talked transfers. But it was it's positive to see four Cobham kids on the bench. Not that Ruben's a kid anymore, but you get my point. And and Connor Gallagher on for his debut and Armando Broya got some minutes too. there was a nice mix of kind of youth of experience there.
3: Yeah, and um yeah, it's it's important we mark Gallagher's Debut, I suppose. You know, reward for a brilliant few seasons, and he's put himself in the reckoning in the in the first team group. It's a worry where he's going to get his his minutes. Um, that that that's obvious. The flirtation with a, a change in formation for the Arsenal game didn't go particularly well. Where he's going to fit into this shape, I, I don't know. He's obviously perfectly capable of playing in that that two man midfield, but he would flourish when he has the uh, the the freedom to get forward and get in the box and. I don't know what Simon thought, but that was alarmingly obvious to me in the first half. That's where Chelsea fell down. There wasn't enough bodies in the box. So many deliveries from from wide. Uh, The corner kicks were spectacularly bad in the first half. I think there was 13 of them. But just balls in from general play, there wasn't enough bodies getting in there. So Gallagher will bring that, and I'm sure he will have the opportunities at times. But it's not going to happen invariably if it's um, a 3-4-3 moving forward. And uh, yeah, yeah, again great to see him on there and I think he may be the one that gets an opportunity sooner because if the the forwards misfire um, continually I said on last week's pod I quite like the idea of the fluid front three even if they were to bring in another forward and and not have the archetypal n- number nine which seemed to dominate the conversation post-match because neither team had one uh, Jamie Renup and Duncan Ferguson discussed it for what seemed like an age but I think Bro, for one of the games, I'm not saying putting him in against Tottenham, but you know he's got good experience now. He's a full international. He scored goals in in Holland, double figures. Put him in for one of these games because he could be a real asset this season. You know, if he's still at the club, he could he could get goals and confidence with a, a young player. We saw with Trevor Chalaba last year, great example. I know it's opposite ends of the pitch, and those guys are under incredible spotlight. But why not? You know, this could be a season where he has a real impact on the team if he's given the chance.
1: Yeah, and with five subs, you think there will be um, plenty of space for people to get minutes. I did enjoy Conor Gallagher's brother Jordan tweeting, proud is an understatement, making your debut for the family's boyhood club, something no one can take away from you. Can a family have a boyhood club? we <laughs> need a ruling um, from Adam Hurry." on that one Uh, anyway next up for Chelsea the visit of Spurs to Stamford Bridge in the first home game of this season we'll look ahead to that later in the week next today we're talking transfers
2: Hello I'm Mark Chapman and I'm back with some good news I'll be hosting the Athletic Football Podcast four times a week I'll be joined by the likes of Adam Crafton, David Ornstein, Flo Lloyd-Hughes, Matt Slater and plenty more of The Athletic's brilliant journalists and together we'll bring you the best insight into the biggest football stories. So that's every single week, Monday to Thursday and if you like what we do then please follow and subscribe to The Athletic
0: Football Podcast in all the usual places.
1: Well, plenty's happened in terms of ins and outs since we last spoke we'll run through the latest Chelsea transfers and rumours shortly but first Simon's written about how the club are making this work in terms of spending and FFP the pieces up on the Athletic now give us a little tease Simon it's, it, basically they, there's not much to be worried about from a compliance point of view
2: well according to the football finance expert Kieran McGuire, yeah I mean I we, we just suddenly sort of has an idea and I'm sure it, not not the only ones to think this is is Chelsea haven't brought much money in so far. I'm sure we'll get on to props, outgoings in a moment. But you're sort of going, how on earth are they able to do all this? Um, Because it looks like they're going to be spending quite a significant amount in the final weeks as well. So we, we thought about doing this piece. Also, a little bit of a, I don't know about you guys, but it feels very sort of 2003 to me, Abramovich's first window that the sort of the amount the sort of the daily transfer or oh, after this guy they're after this guy they made a bid for this guy it has brought that sort of memory so we also did a sort of what would that transfer spend be worth in today's money and, and Kieran's also got this he came up with his football inflation calculator and we've basically been work, able to work out that the 2003 spend would have worked out in today's money at over 400 million um, so just to put it in perspective But in in terms of the actual point, he's saying that the the way clubs work, obviously FFP for one is is taken over three years, not just obviously one summer. And he's sort of saying that the way clubs always operate is that don't take the total transfer fee. It's spread over the length of their contracts. The the term is called amortised. So, if they spend 300 million, he was saying it will go down in their accounts as around fifty, sixty million, 60 million. And then, whatever outgoings they make, if they sell, say, for argument's sake, they decide to sell Conor Gallagher, I don't think they will, but, you know, and, and they sell him 50 million, that's straight cash because it's from the academies. Um, so, there's no sort of sell on uh, with another club. They're not paying the fee, of, fee, fee for him from before. So, yeah, that that's basically the economics of it. So, he's saying, I'm not too concerned about Chelsea. They'll be fine. And there will be outgoings um, quite a lot now, I'd imagine, um, between now and September the 1st.
1: Uh, well, yeah, there have been outgoings. Levi Colwell's gone out on loan, uh, as not as part of the deal, but around the same time that Cucuré came in. Cucuré anything from 55 to 63 million, depending on who you believe. It's a lot of money, Sam, for a, a left wing back slash left centre back. But, from the sounds of it, from what you saw on Saturday, it might be a worthy investment.
3: Yeah, and if you'd have asked me last week about letting Levi Colwill go, I wouldn't have been sure at all. So yeah, what what I saw in that in that short period at the weekend shows that he can play that position no problem at all. Gives them the balance, gives them the, the, the versatility down that side and yeah, it's it's on reflection, it's probably what Levi Colwill needs, maybe to go out and play regularly, uh, for a team that's Probably not going to be challenging, um, despite yesterday's result. Um, hopefully he can go there and get a really good amount of games and, and come back an even more polished player than he already is. I mean, I couldn't have been more impressed with him at Huddersfield last year. Outstanding um, young player and um, it's a brilliant move for him. So hopefully he can go and you know emulate what a few of the other loanies have done last few seasons and, and come back a better player for the experience. But yeah, in terms of how Chelsea sit right now with Kukurea, yeah, really optimistic that that could be a a blinding signing, even at even at that inflated price. Just a quick one
2: on on Colwell. Um I'm I'm pleased that he's not gone permanently, and that's why Chelsea have ended up paying a bit more for Cucoella because Brighton were really fighting hard to to buy Colwell. I, I just I, I'm not going to get overexcited though about him coming back next year and being part of the squad just yet, um, because. The club are going to go and buy another centre back. They're certainly trying to, and you're just concerned that, yeah, even though Thiago Silva, there's a good chance that this will be his last season as a Chelsea player. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off because he he seems to be very determined to play at the highest level for as long as possible. Um, you, you do sort of worry if there is a negative about the sort of way Chelsea are doing their business as they are putting lots of expensive signings in place and that therefore doesn't leave much room for for Colwell to to play regularly. Um, But who knows, he has a really good season with Brighton. Perhaps um, he'll catch Tuchel's eye.
1: Yeah, it looks like Brighton might have a good season themselves based on what they did at Old Trafford on Sunday. So hopefully opportunities for him to shine. I'm sure we all very much enjoyed the uh, salt that was served along with those two moves from the uh, respective club Twitter accounts last week. All good fun. Uh, elsewhere, Marcus Alonso left out of the squad for the Everton game, having asked for a move. Uh, he's tying up the, the deal with Barcelona then, Simon, is he? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, The only hold up has been really sort of the Barcelona circus but I do think this we're just waiting for the announcement. I think the terms of the contract have been agreed for quite a while. It's just the the negotiation between the two clubs, but the, the noises are that it, it's just a matter of time. Um, Alonso's made it pretty clear. He wants to leave. I don't think Tuchel cool, was too disappointed. <laughs> it didn't take much persuading when Marcus went, oh, can you leave me out? He went, I'm sure he took about 0.5 of a second to think about it. Um, so yeah it, I but overall when he does go I know he's he, he sort of splits well, I'm not sure even splitting the fan base is the right phrase because it seems there's been quite a lot of negativity about Alonso but I think overall he's been a very good buy for Chelsea he only cost what 23 million I think from Fiorentina no defender in the Premier League has scored more goals than him in the time he's been at the club if memory serves um, yes he's not the quickest but As part of the the team that last won the title. has won quite a few trophies with the club. Was he the the, the greatest signing ever? No, but I I still think he's been a pretty good buy overall.
1: Okay, so overall, a pretty good buy, Marcos Alonso. Would you say the same, Sam, about Timo Werner? Looks like he's going back to RB Leipzig. 89 games for Chelsea, 23 goals, 21 assists. Champions League winner
3: started the final, but... I hope he doesn't because he features in my pre-season predictions. Not <laughs> not prominently, but he's in there. He's made he's made it. Um so no, it's not it's not gone well, has it? Not for the one to try and, and you know, I often think about I suppose Mason Mount is on the outside looks like the most low maintenance player. Um and I I I'd, you know, I'd say that about a lot, a lot of the players you know um, even someone like Kai Havert seems to just get on with it there's not much noise comes out of his his camp or he doesn't Speak about his displeasure in the in the press and stuff like that. But Werner's just not seemed he's not seemed happy. He's not seemed like he was going to turn it around at any stage. And there has been obviously big moments and he contributes assists and wins penalties and stuff like that. But he's never gone on that run of goal scoring form, which seems to uh, has, has held him back really. So it's disappointing if it's going to end this way because such optimism when he came to the club I think after what he'd done previously and everyone was in for him weren't they but it's just not worked out really so yeah it's going to be a shame but I think there's there's players that are ahead of him in the queue right now clearly uh the three that started at the weekend and um, you know I'm optimistic that Pulisic could have a bit a better effect this year and yeah he's he's well down the pecking order
1: Chelsea must be delighted and and maybe a little bit surprised Simon that this is going to be a permanent deal because we've spoken at length, haven't we about the fact that it's going to have to be another one of those loans where Chelsea end up paying a lot of the wages and don't get much of a loan fee so to be able to to offload him and get those wages off the books is a bonus
2: yeah and and the sort of the sums being talked about sort of thirty thirty five million euros, yeah Chelsea have ended up making a loss on him, but it's not. Not as bad as Lukaku at the moment. <laughs> it's the Lukaku scale. And, and uh, yeah, Ver, Verner, given, given how poor verner has been overall, I don't want to pile in on the guy. He did make that run for the, for the winning goal in the Champions League final, but he is one of the worst. I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> totally contradict myself. One of the worst players for doing the basics I think I've ever seen just someone that just, you expect someone to control a football and be able to pass to a teammate. That's the bare minimum. (laughs) You just, so many games I'll be sitting in the press box going, what was that? But, you know, he tried hard. He's got pace. But I think the Bundesliga is more a league that suits him because they play high lines and he's able to, with his pace get behind and he finds it a lot easier but he's been exposed in the premier league scenes when he gets 10 goals at the world cup <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It, oh i think sam's given a clue into perhaps what his uh prediction is i did think about that you know um the putting putting him down I didn't study the groups, but, you know,
3: they're bound to have a 5-0 somewhere, aren't
2: they? Yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then he'll lift up his top and go, that's for you, Johnson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, good luck to him because he was king of the assists, I'd say, rather than king of the goals. His pace was remarkable. And the amount of penalties he won, particularly in his first season, and I think he, he didn't do a Lukaku. He didn't make a terrible interview and, and make it all about him. And, you know, he did, you could tell he wasn't happy, but he he thought about the team. He wasn't unprofessional like a certain someone that's now in Inter Milan.
1: Uh, another possible departure, and this one may be slightly surprising, reports emerging on Sunday that Callum hudson Adoy has asked to go out on loan Leicester and Southampton Link with him feels like a good idea to me this Sam because he desperately needs regular football doesn't he He hasn't been the same since that Achilles injury
3: no and it's it's a shame because so optimistic that he was kind of the one wasn't he that was obviously getting game time what three years ago maybe maybe even longer um just thinking about that was it Sheffield Wednesday in the cup Mm. so I'm score a goal but obviously there were bigger moments than that but yeah, he was. Um, that was around the time of the speculation, wasn't it? I think he just started playing again when he was possibly going to be off to Munich, was it? So, um, yeah, it's. I can understand it a little bit because he's not kicked on. You know, we thought he was going to be such a ferocious, exciting talent, and it's just plateaued a little bit, and he's become something of a utility man, I suppose, a little bit in this shape, having to play at wing back and and such like. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting if it's a Premier League or whether he sees it as a good, better opportunity to to try something abroad. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm sure Simon knows more about what the possible destinations are, but that would maybe feel like a better fit right now. I'm not sure why, but maybe just because, you know, to get him away from the Premier League and he show his quality and get some games elsewhere and come back maybe a more rounded player.
2: Yeah, unfortunately we're hearing that There isn't that much in the Dortmund interest, um, despite what may be putting out there right now. But there has been that link before, and I think that was the mistake when Dortmund have been in for him, and this was before, I think, Tuchel arrived. But that was the mistake for me, uh, when he could have gone out on loan for a season at Dortmund, and and Chelsea said no. I, I thought that was a strange strange decision to make because he needs, we we don't know here we are all these years later. We don't know how good he is Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because he he never plays Has he ever played 10 games in a row. I know he had that really good spell, which coincided with Chelsea's good spell last season. And he was playing a lot as the left left 10. And so we got an inkling then we sort of went, okay, you know, he's finally playing his preferred position, but it says a lot. Certainly in terms of he's been given the message constantly that Chelsea are looking for other people. They went for Rafinha. You know, they're not, Tuchel is not looking at him as the answer. So who knows if it's even just a loan? It, it may be a permanent if someone offers enough money. And, and if you're him, uh, I think he has to go this window, either or permanent or loan. But I also think it's quite indicative that there hasn't been much of an outcry. It's not like Levi Cole will, when suggestions that he was leaving, comments on my piece, when I said that Levi Cole will leave when a defender, if another defender is signed. Yeah, it was quite toxic, the response, but I don't think, um, it'd be interesting what they think now. Now he's at another club, but, uh, I don't think there's going to be that similar sort of level of angst if, if Hudson O'Doye moves because, you know, he's been there for a few years and, never really sort of shown that sort of that Arsenal pre-season game I don't know whether you remember it I was in Dublin and he absolutely tore Bellerin apart and he just went oh my word get him in the team he's fantastic but I don't remember him playing like that
3: for the first team yeah he's, he's a shame I remember his first um his first ever appearance I think for the 18s at, at Cobham and he was just you know on a different a different level it looked like a man playing with with the academy kids so you anticipated him you know getting the opportunity to be with the first team very very quickly every day and and getting in the, the side but i think it just has plateaued i think you know the that ability to go beyond people even that Syrian pace that he showed at an early age isn't evident in in the premier league and i think his actual better games have probably come when he's been deployed out of his natural position at, at wing back. i think he becomes a bit one one-dimensional when he plays wide on the left-hand side because he can't go on the outside and deliver with his weaker foot. He always comes in field. So I think there's probably better options in the forward line right now, clearly. And um, he's not going to want to stick around probably and be play, playing in the the League Cup and the FA Cup at wing-back and such like. So, yeah, he'll want to rediscover his, his form, you know, in front of goal, scoring goals, creating goals, playing higher up the pitch. And he's clearly going to have to go, get that opportunity elsewhere, it would seem.
1: Simon, is it too simplistic of me to suggest that he might be used as bait in the proposed Fafana deal in the way that that Colwell maybe was with Brighton and Kukurea?
2: It's possible. It's possible. Um, I mean, for Fafana, they are seriously, you know, back in Vegas, they're going all in. The chips are all piled up on the table. This is a guy that Tuchel really, really wants. It's... uh, the suggestions that we're hitting Harry Maguire type money here, 85 million, who knows if it goes beyond that. It's a nice little character, perhaps, you know, sort of dangling in front of Leicester, but I, I always think a sort of player plus cash or whatever that they are, they are quite, like the Colwell thing, whilst it was connected to Cucurella, was a separate negotiation. It wasn't a, a, a direct link, although it was kind of indirect, you know. It, There there was a part to it, but not involved in the same deal, separate negotiations. I think that would be the same that would happen at Leicester if it was to happen. But Leicester, quite rightly, are just sort of, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, we'll take that ridiculous amount of money. Thank you very much. And then everybody wins, just as Brighton are pretty happy about the money they've got for Cucurella. Well, we'll have to wait and see
1: on Fofana whether he comes in. One person we know is going to be staying at Chelsea is Cesar Azpilicueta. A bit of a surprise. He signed a two-year deal late last week. And to celebrate, he spoke to Simon in the mix zone at Goodison Park. Here's what he had to say.
4: Well, you know, it was true that it was a, a very rare situation, you know, I was out of the contract until March when I played the games, you know, the club was under suction, so it was it was difficult, but, you know, I just, you know, everybody can talk for you in your name, but uh, the actions, I think, uh, spoke by themselves, you know, I, I stayed committed to my club, uh, I played the games, you know, even though we n- never knew what was going to happen, new ownership arrived, you know, we had our conversation very honest, you know, and uh, I decided that I I was right to, to stay home. I think everyone would
2: appreciate though that it was a tough decision for you. You know, because Barcelona, massive club, going home. You've won everything, club world everything. It must it, it must have been you know it must be difficult for you in the last few months.
4: Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, uh, you know the conversations they were there. Uh, as I said before, you know, all all, all surrounding the club. You know, before. You know, after the Club World Cup, winning every trophy for the club, the only player, you know, I felt maybe it was the the time to to go back. But uh, you know, uh, then everything happened. Uh, you know, I'm the captain of this club. Uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, to 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 stay committed to the club. Uh, you know, I never did anything against my club, and you know, conversations were private. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke to each other. We. We said what we thought you know we had uh, players leaving uh, you know all uh, all around that you know was uh, was like this i never been in the transfer market uh, in <laughs> 10 years you know <laughs> so of okay. course you know the, the, you know it was it was it was different because you know this time as well the contract was a bit uh, different you know because i had this class of, of game so for a period that was a free agent you know who knew what what could happen in in that period, but you know, everything was you know. I I I decided to stay silent, to not speak in the media, because I think was already enough noise around, and you know um, that I didn't want to to you know to make it worse, because I tried to to stay focused on the game.
1: Uh, Sam, I'm absolutely delighted about this. I've made no secret of my admiration for Azpilicueta, the the player and the figure around the club. Uh, We thought that he was going. It's got to be a big boost, hasn't it? Even if it's just in terms of what he brings off the pitch.
3: Yeah, I think that's vitally important. Having his experience, his uh, leadership qualities, absolutely. But I think going back to what I said earlier, that is an area of the pitch where it's a bit problematic at the moment. So, you know, having Reese and who can play the, the two different positions means that it's not panic stations right now. And uh, if Fofana was to come in, you'd anticipate him playing part of the, the back three. So it does give Thomas Tuchel two nice options at uh, right wing back, if this is to be the preferred formation. So I think vitally important from a, a tactical point of view uh, alongside um yeah, what a brilliant, brilliant character he is. And every year I'm surprised at the amount of games that he can play, the lack of injuries he picks up, the intensity he plays with every game, especially when we're crammed in that press box at Stanford Bridge and you can see him up close and personal. It gives absolutely everything, which is astonishing. And you, when you see the little snippets of training and stuff, he looks like he's at it every minute. And I think, you know, at the top clubs you'd expect that, but you're not going to get that across the board, Um, especially the guys that are out of the side and stuff like that. So it's probably imperative for Thomas Tuchel that he's got a few foot soldiers on the ground. um, And you saw Frank Lampard deep in conversation with him after the game the other day. So this has probably been a reoccurring theme throughout every manager's tenure that he's had at the the bridge. Brilliant character and um, he'll play a big part again.
2: Yeah, and, and just quickly... You know, this is why I argued, what was it, last week, the piece, um, about why Chelsea should keep him, it, even if he doesn't play as many games as he probably wants. Um, I just remember the, the role that John Terry and Gary Cahill had in their last years at Chelsea, where they, they started playing less, but it was their presence, it's their the leadership, the we know what Chelsea's about. So I think it's very important to have that kind of character Especially when new signings are coming in, you set the standard in training. This is what's expected of you, etc. And, and as per the equator, all over that. In the actual sort of meeting with him on, on, uh, in the Goodison Park tunnel, he comes out and went, Are oh, you still here then? <laughs> 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 He's like, You can't get rid of me. You know, he, he obviously admits that, that, the Barcelona, it's an open secret. Everyone knows that he, he was very keen to go to Barcelona. He thought it was an end of an era, you know, having won everything. But but as I put to him, I sort of went, Yeah, but you're now you can now be part of a new era. It's almost like a it gives you a new lease of life that you've got this new ownership, spending money, you can perhaps go on and win more and help the club win more. And you can tell that he's he's not thinking, Oh no, I've missed out on Barcelona. You can tell he's genuinely excited to still be around at Chelsea.
3: So I mean, with my answer there, I was obviously speculating as to what the reason was behind, you know, keeping him at the club. Do you think it is the the issue with the formation where they're a bit weak in certain areas or is it more for that that leadership quality
2: i think it's everything i mean the the, the owners the owners clearly because they they ended up speaking to him um a lot i think they they've quickly realized sort of how influential he is as a as a guy in that in that dressing room but the fact that as p can yes he can play right wing back he can play right side his center back Chelsea, I, I I still think a Fafana will, will come in. But with the amount of games, he will get to play a lot. He actually admits that his form, he was very honest. He said he felt that he played the most amount of minutes of anyone between, I think he said, November to February. And then combine that with all the Barcelona, the sort of distraction of the pit. He said, he said my form wasn't the greatest after, after that. And particularly after the last international break to the last sort of six weeks of the season. Very honest of of, of Asp, But then I took from that the the implication that he he thinks, well, you know, don't judge me on those final six weeks. I will be back to my back to my best. And I thought we saw that on Saturday. I thought he put in a put in a good, solid performance. But you would have to protect him. Yeah, you know, I don't think that back three should play together too much because as you said right at the start of the show, Sam, Pace-wise, it's, it's not the not the strongest. You, you'd have to pick and choose half and I think you play with those guys.
1: If Chelsea get Fafana then, are we considering that a successful window, Sam? as Piliqueta, sign Sterling, Kulibaly, Kukureya, Slanina, Chukwemeka and Fafana. Is that good? Are you still looking for a striker to make it really feel like they've got everything they need to?
3: Yeah, I think so. It's a brilliant window if they get a forward. And Fafana, I think. Yeah, undoubtedly. I think Thomas Tuchel said that the midfield was the the least important or words to that effect, I think, after the game. And I obviously concur with that. Yeah, I think, yeah, vitally important they get another option defensively. And then, you know, we've seen, even though it's a small sample size, although we've seen pre-season as well, you know, um, the inability to convert chances in quite a number of the games that you need another option up there. And um, yeah, to contradict what I said, probably as we wrapped up our last pod on on Thursday of last week, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be that kind of player to play down the middle and have physical attributes, but it wouldn't half help having that option. Sitting here today, having watched Nunez come on and completely change that game on on Saturday, which, you know, it's on for 20 minutes. I think he had about six attempts and it ruffled up the opposition. It's a nice luxury for Liverpool to be able to play a different way at times this season, which is going to be clear. So, um, so yeah, I'd, I'd imagine they're covering a lot of ground trying to find that forward player to give them one or two more options. But, yeah, th- I think those two, obviously, uh, Frankie de Jong's still being linked and and, and such like, but uh, he'd be amazing, you know, if you could get three, incredible. But I think a defender and, and a forward player would be aced.
2: Just a quick aside, uh, what one should reference, two calls saying no one wanted the number nine shirt it's the, they think it's cursed i mean he, his tongue was in his cheek a bit but i think he meant it
1: a bit harsh on tammy abraham
2: yeah but you know what he meant he was talking about the big signings that the ones they forked out big money for not not the academy graduate and Khalid belarus and steve sidwell <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey they did pretty well compared to other number nines um but, yeah, you almost you almost sort of think that even a Haaland and a Nunes, you know, if they had the Chelsea number nine, would it work out? But you couldn't help but watch the weekend. And the two best teams have got the two best, well, Harry Kane. But they've gone out and bought two of the best strikers. I mean, Nunes is frightening already and just like, oh, no. If it wasn't hard enough to catch these two teams, they've, they've now... Got two quality buys, and you can't help but think, why can't Chelsea <laughs> sign one of these guys?
3: What about Fofana, De Jong and Mitrovic? There you go. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. I've always liked Mitrovic, even though he's he struggled in the Premier League up until Saturday.
3: Matt, you know, Matt's not so sure. Yeah,
1: mm, it just seems like it would be quite extraordinary for that to happen now.
3: But oh, it yeah, would. It would. But I mean up. that pro- that profile of player. Mm. You know, when you're looking at players, I know he's not necessarily scored goals freely. I think he was in double figures all comps a few years ago, not the not the previous Fulham Premier League season. But that profile of player who has actually played at the level knows the knows the league. Um and obviously is the old fashioned type who's gonna be a predatory in the eighteen yard box. There's, there's not many of them. Um you know that that come off the tongue. Go
2: for an That's what you're trying to say, Sam. <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't know, he He had that amazing season, didn't he? But he Still strikes me as someone who spends a lot of time outside the box. You know, wanting the ball to his, flicking it about, wanting the ball to his feet, not that person who's actually going to be pulling on the diagonal
1: if Mitrovic does shock us all and sign for Chelsea I'm amending my pre-season predictions to have him as Chelsea's top scorer at the World Cup Serbia (laughs) got Cameroon and Switzerland to get a hat-trick in one of those games uh, surely Uh, so that's the men's team meanwhile Chelsea women have confirmed the signing of Swedish international midfielder Johanna Reiting-Kanarid from BK Hacken she is the fifth new addition to Emma Hayes' squad this summer Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the Dev squad kick off their campaign tonight, aka Monday. They're away at Wolves in PL2 and what's Mark Robinson's first official game as head coach. The under-18s will have to wait until the weekend for their first league match. They go to Arsenal on Saturday. All right, before we go, uh, Simon, can you tell us a bit more about what you've got planned work-wise for the week?
2: Yeah, I'm flying to America. for
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you told me that and I totally forgot it. But you might write something on Edward Mendy before then.
2: Yeah well yeah there should be a little newsline by the time this comes out just just confirming that th- these talks have, have have gone on but what's worth um perhaps a read in case you've missed it understandably so because it's all about the Premier League opening weekend etc is um I did a piece I, I attended a a trial day I finally wrote this piece I may have mentioned it on the pod before um I finally written it it's a bit like when uh, my university uh Tutors were going. Yeah, we know that Simon, the guy that takes weeks to get his essay in, but yes, I, I went to a trial with Nigel James Elite Coaching because Nigel James is the dad of of Reese and Lauren. Um, and um, it was fascinating to watch him at work. You could kind of see why Reese and Lauren have made it as far as they have because of their dad. Um, not just the way he coaches, but also the way he talks. But I also spoke as part of this piece, and it sort of to bring it more up to date. Um, I spoke to Jack Rodoni. so it's it's not just about Reece and Lauren. he's actually brought through. he estimates over fifty players that he's worked with are now placed with pro clubs. and Jack Rodoni uh, worked with him after he was released by Crystal Palace at about the age of ten. Um, he ended up still going through the uh, Nigel James. Even though he joined Wimbledon soon after, he actually trained as much with Nigel as, as he did with Wimbledon. And he's just been bought by Huddersfield for £800,000. So it, it shows that without this being too much of an advert for his, his academy, that he polished a, a rough diamond there. And he's, he's now got a player, for example, playing in the championship, starting his first game on, on Saturday, albeit in a, in a losing course. So, um, anyway, it's well worth the read. Uh, I think. And uh, yeah, it gives you a leaning insight into not just his academy, but perhaps why and another insight into why Reese and Lauren have made it as far as they have.
1: Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go and sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber and you want to read that, it will only cost you a pound a month for the first six months. Uh, Sam, what's in your footballing future over the next seven days or so?
3: Oh, um, League Cup tomorrow, Charlton against QPR. Desperately trying to think of a Chelsea link. Um, mm-hmm. Jake Clark- Clark-Salter, Salter. there you go. And uh, potentially Dujon Sterling. Has that happened yet? I thought that QPR were very interested in him. Many I read last week, so that might be one to keep an eye across. And yeah, various bits from home. Golf day Thursday, played very well yesterday, Simon. £35 English pounds in my pocket for coming second. So um, <laughs> things are looking good on that front.
1: Second out of how many?
3: Uh, seven. <laughs> It's too bald, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna ask me if I had two pairs of trousers on. No, no. <laughs> Not yeah, the debate, you know,
1: for yeah. a couple of weeks' time when people for, might have forgotten about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, we'll be back later in the week when we'll be looking ahead to the big game against Spurs and plenty more besides. Do join us for that if you can. Until then. From all of us here, it's goodbye.
0: an official partner of The Athletic.